What's up, guys? It's your boy, Adarag Das, here for episode 5 of ELO Punters. Today with Gooey Ducat and Gristlepuff. Hello, Bob. Hello, Daniel. How's it going? Yo, yo. Doing well? Yep. Nice. Doing well. Nice. Daniel, I you sound sick. Do you, you don't have coronavirus, do you? I don't think so. Okay, that's good. I hope you don't have it. <laughs> what? <laughs> hey, Daniel, you're not dying, are you? Nice. Okay. I say Gooey Ducat because just like five minutes ago, I tried tagging, um, I tried tagging Ghoul Ducat, which is, Daniel, I think you're going to have to explain where this name came from. Ghoul Ducat. Where did it come from? Star Trek. Wait, really? Yeah, it was just a character from Star Trek. I thought oh, are you, are, you like a, cool. are, you, are you a big Star Trek fan? Not particularly. I mean, I watch it, but I just thought it sounded like a cool name when I nice. made my Moto account. Well, I learned something today. Um, yeah, so I tried tagging Ghoul Ducat on Twitter because at one point Daniel's, um, Daniel's Twitter was like at Bashir underscore, 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 underscore. Just, just four underscores. And I was like, okay. And then he like consolidated everything. So when I tried tagging Ghoul Ducat, I got some random person who I've never heard of before. And then Daniel was like, all right, well, actually, it's because my, my, my handle is Gooey Ducat, but it's a capital I. So that, you know, you just, uh... Wait, Bashir is also from Star Trek, apparently? Yeah. Nice. Okay. Are, are the, both those characters, are they, like, galaxy brain characters? Uh, not particularly. <laughs> oh, damn, okay. So, <clears throat> you just like them for some reasons. Well, that's okay. I want to say thank you to our new patrons for the month, though, because, you know, we got some things that we got to do at the start of every episode. So, without further ado... Wait hey, a minute. You should say you're you're privileged and excited to announce our new patrons. I dude, look at this first so the first person I'm gonna say, their name is Nextdoor, and that just sounds really, really badass. But thank you, Nextdoor folks, Sean, Rocky, Bertu, Ryan, Ashford, Jamie, Chloe, Nam, Nicholas, John, Jean Carlos, and Andy. Thank you all for joining our uh, Patreon. That's how we support this podcast uh yeah no, that's how they support this podcast yes we use <laughs> unless yes. you also subscribe to our patreon which i'm fine with boom 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 all right cool so now that that's out of the way oh, thank god um i also want to say thank you to um ellie of the veil at ellie of the veil go follow liz there she's our editor and she does a great job and she makes it so that you don't have to hear like all the other crap that you don't want to be hearing you know while you're listening to this that's that's awesome um so basically on voice she edits it out completely or damn. I, I try to ask her to but she doesn't always do it <laughs> we don't pay her enough for that that's what she says right wait does that mean no i'm just kidding um and then on the topic of the patreon i think the last thing is we will talk about what's coming what's coming to the patreon do we have any new content coming up uh, so I think Daniel uh, wrote up a really long in-depth guide to Blue Black Inverter since the deck did not get banned. Uh, so Daniel, can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, I just thought that the uh, deck was really strong. I like playing it a lot. In fact, it's basically all I've been playing because there's not really that many tournaments. And um, I felt I had some different opinions on how to build the deck. It's a bit different than other lists, so I wanted to explain like the reasons why I built it like I did. All yeah, the card the, choices. The, the biggest thing I liked about your list, from what I noticed, was I, I read through your guide and basically you were talking about like mana efficiency and you felt like um, you were kind of like priced into playing four heroes downfall in order to make the mono white matchup better. But then at the same time, you also wanted to have a good curve. So that's why you play, play the full play set of Jace's. So I really, uh, really like your build. I actually. I anybody, yeah. Or sorry, I, I don't know why. Is that mono white matchup supposed to be bad? I've lost you like one time out of like 20 games or something like. 
Every, every time I play against the deck, it feels really... I mean, maybe it's bad. Uh, sorry, that sounds kind of... Like, whenever I play against I the deck... From sorry. what I've been hearing, I haven't played it myself, but I've heard that the matchup became in Mono White's favor once they played Gideon's Intervention in the main, and, like, Blue Black Inverter needs to adapt again by playing some sort of bounce spell. Uh, I mean, I have, like, six discard spells main. Every time I play against the deck, they play, like, a bunch of bears, and then I just, like, cast a Jace. I mean, it got pretty close. I lost to the challenge top four because my opponent had a bunch of Elspeth's Conqueror's deaths. But I think, like, I also, like, not to sound salty, but I think, like, my like my my draws were kind of under average. Like, whenever I play that ma matchup, I mean, maybe I'd have to test it in depth, like, maybe on leagues my opponents aren't playing that way or something. But I always feel like I just cast a discard spell, and then some of their cards are, like, really weak, like, you can Fatal Push them or Languish them. And then I just cast a Planeswalker and win, and they don't disrupt you that much, and I have Ashiok, and, like, like... They just have, a lot of their cards have bad rates on them. Like there's just like bad rate creatures and stuff. Maybe it's a bad like maybe it's a bad matchup. I've heard some people saying it's a bad matchup, but like I haven't like really lost to it often. But maybe it is. I don't know. I could see it. All right. Yeah. So if you want to know how to beat Mono White Devo, subscribe to our Patreon at the three dollar tier. Read Daniel's Inverter Guide and never lose to Mono White Devotion again. Yeah. Um, I also I was thinking about making some videos for Inverter because I saw that I had forty nine percent win rate and some people say it's kind of like weird deck to play i don't Your think it's win actually rate is like 80 percent, right like or higher yeah i don't think it's like that hard to play like i would say a hard deck to play for me is like mono red and standard where you have which is like you have to plan out like seven turns of combat because basically a deck like that your whole deck is just like one mana creatures and you have to plan out how you want the game to play out which means you have to visualize like six turns of combat and how you want to navigate that whereas when i play a deck like this there's like no creatures in the deck so you just need to manage how you want to snowball your planeswalkers or how you want to set up your combo. Uh, it, it's kind of weird. Like I would say the tough decisions are like sometimes valuing and knowing how much to value an inverter trigger is weird, which means like when you're using when like knowing when you want to like find like find an inverter off a dig. It's sort of like Splinter Twin in some ways because sometimes like you can go for the combo and then you could get blown out, or you can try and play a long game, but then you give them more time. And there's like a lot of weird choices with the deck, but. I don't think mm -hmm. it's like maybe it's just a bit weird to play. Like there's some weird stuff. So I was thinking about maybe doing some videos, just. To I think you should definitely do some videos. I would definitely watch. The only reason I haven't picked up the deck is, um, basically, I have a couple more modern PTQs coming up, so I'm testing for that format. If I ha if there were like a lot of Pioneer events in the future, then I'll definitely pick the deck up. But again, the other thing I'm I'm hesitant to do is it, it seems like you know the Pioneer format rotates because things get banned. So although they didn't touch Inverter this time around, like. I would be somewhat surprised if they don't eventually ban something from the deck, whether it's you know Inverter, Oracle, or Dig Through Time. Um, but you know that's that's another topic. Yeah, like let's let's move on to uh, caster updates. Um, so we wanted to talk about a couple of things for everybody as updates, like what you've been playing lately, and then how you've been affected or unaffected by coronavirus. Um, so I'll start. I've been playing like a bunch of different PTQs. So I did play a Pioneer PTQ. I played four color in Soul. I ended up going five three. Did you I think win? That deck oh. is pretty good. Um, <laughs> what I found is a lot of decks, like the top decks, like removal is not good against, like Mono White Devotion, Soul Tide Delirium, and like even uh, Inverter Blue White Control. Like nobody's playing removal anymore. Mono Green Devotion. Like a lot of these decks are really really light on removal. So oftentimes if you just like slam like 
a stone coil serpent and then put an insole artifact on it and then putting all that glitters on it you just like win the game so i think the deck is pretty good right now and but i think it is still somewhat behind against inverter i i went one and one against it i lost to daniel <laughs> when he, he multi five in the um uh was it was a ptq yeah but I like I think the deck is like slightly behind against Earth Inverter. I don't think it's a horrible matchup, but uh, I think like post board it can be tough when they have all their removal spells. So I can't really recommend it, but I think it's it's solid. That, that's um, interesting. I I felt like uh, that was one of the tougher matchups for Inverter, and I th uh, sorry. It's I think it's like I think Inverter is probably slightly ahead. Like if I draw a good mix of creatures, pump spells, and counter spells, like you probably can't win. But then. If you draw a good mix of like removal spells, then I can't win. So I yeah, think it's close. I mean, I haven't lost to the insult X yet. I played against it like four times or five, but I always felt like losable. Like a lot of matchups feel like harder to lose. Mm -hmm. Well, it, it doesn't really sound like you've been losing much at all with the deck. Uh, I guess that's what it takes to hit two thousand Elo. But yeah, so that's <clears> pioneer <throat> for me. Um, I would definitely pick up. Can Inverter we just talk about I for a second how holy? Look, I just gotta stay on brand for a second. You guys are hella serious and stuff. But I'm just thinking here, like, Bob versus Daniel. And then I just realized that, like, Elo is zero-sum. Isn't that just crazy to think about? <laughs> yeah, I gave I gave Daniel some, some hard-earned Elo. Oh, There's yeah, like... so self-cannibalization of the podcast. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, oh, no, I guess we're gonna have to do something about that, but okay, cool. Wait, so, so if I started playing Pioneer literally right now... What should I pick up? Inverter? Yeah, like, I don't think Inverter is that hard to play. Like, most of the deck, you just play removal spells, and then you play Planeswalkers. Like, I'm not going to say it's, like, easy to play. Like, obviously, there's a lot of hard choices. Yeah. But I think there's a lot of decks, like, that are, like, impossible to play, like Mono Red and Standard. As, I think, I think, I think if you're, <laughs> Wait, that like, just blows my mind that you would say that... Deck? You, they, they, you would say that like creature combat is just like that complicated. Well, it's not that it's it's you have to pl like the way you, when you play a deck like Inverter when you're planning out the game there's like not that many creatures like most of your plan is make sure there's not stuff on the battlefield to cast my walkers it's like it's not that hard to plan that out when you're playing a deck like Mono Red there's like ten creatures in play and you have to plan out all the blocks and everything to play optimally yeah. and how you want to develop the game so I, I like I think it's just a bit different to play like it's sort of like probably amulet titan when it was new like I, it's not that hard but like it's like it's a bit different so you have to get used to like how the combo can be different mm -hmm. creature combat um, sucks yeah so so to your earlier question like i think it's a thoughtseize deck so if you're like have good fundamentals like thoughtseize goes really really far like it helps you plan out your turns in advance and so i think like it could be a, a good deck uh, the, the Again, the main concern I have with playing it is I think it's too good and something will eventually get banned from it. But if they don't ban an Inverter, then it's possible that the deck, um, you know, they can survive one banding and still be a tier one deck. But uh, yeah, that's neither here nor there. Um, in terms of other magic stuff, I've been playing Sultai Lone Depths in Legacy. I have a 30 and 10 record with it. I think it's good. I think it's um, like... I don't want to say it's great because I think it has some deficiencies against combo, against non-graveyard-based combo. Like, it seems really hard to beat um, decks like Doomsday, Storm, and Show and Tell. Um, but I think it's a solid choice. And then I've been playing a good amount of Modern as well. There are a bunch of PTQs coming up, and I've been playing Eldrazi Tron. Again, I think it's also it's a good deck. I think Bant Control is likely the best deck right now, which is weird because it's pretty rare for a fair deck to be the best deck in Modern. Or at least, like, like a... Well... I guess that's 
I want to take that back because Urza was mostly a fair deck, and it got it was clearly the best deck in modern. And I guess it is similar to Urza in a lot of ways. Like instead of Urza, you just have Uro, which is kind of a messed up card, and it's going to be one of the cards we're going to focus on talk, and talk about later. But I think Band Control is super good in modern. Personally, I'm playing Eldrazi Tron because I have a lot of experience with it. Um, so that's my yeah. magic update. Who wants to go next? Actually, uh, I wanted to add one thing about Band Control quickly. I was uh, I was thinking about playing the modern PTQ last weekend. So I asked Stefan Schutz, the original Elo Hunter, what to play, and he told me he thought Stoneforge was good. He said, quote, good in every matchup. So he thought he was telling me that he thought that Bant Stoneblade was better than uh, Bant Control, but it's interesting. Like, Takahashi and McWinsauce have had a lot of success, but that was interesting. Stefan told me he just thought that Stoneforge was good in every matchup, and it's good at punishing graveyard hate, and etc. So... He likes to be called Stefan, by the way. That's how I was taught by Julian to pronounce his name. Stefan. <clears throat> Stefan. Yes. Stefan. Stefan. Well, that's very that's very German, which I guess he's Austrian, so that makes. No, I'm sense. just kidding. He hates. He said he said call him Stefan because it sounds a lot better. Um, oh uh, no! I literally had a German friend called Stefan, but oh, I guess it's different. Uh, anyways, uh, let's see. What have I been doing? I've just been like kind of like. Shooting the shit. I've just been streaming a bunch, and I don't even know, like, where I'm going with this. That's a, that's really it. Like, I have... I don't know, because, like, all these events that I was, like, really excited for, like, they're, like... Well... Cancelled. <laughs> Cancelled, yeah, exactly. I don't have much to do now, so I'm just kind of, like, exploring. Plus, my deck got banned, like, a week, a week ago, which means now I don't know what to play, and I don't really want to play Miracles anymore, because that... I mean, like, I'll, Wait, I'll do so, it. So we haven't actually recorded since the ban. I think the last episode we recorded right before the ban. Mm -hmm. So do we want to do a, a, a brief moment of silence for Underworld Breach? Yeah, okay, I got you. Okay, no, we're not, we're not doing it. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, wow, that's probably going to take, like, a minute. I would be yeah, impressed yeah. if you finished that. Um, but, yeah, Breach was bad, and, I mean, like, I, I like that deck a lot, and I was winning with well, it. Yeah, what's your, what's your reaction? Like, how sad are you? Like, how upset are you? Like, no, I'm not, I know it's been a couple weeks, but... I'm not sad that it's banned. Like, okay, I, like, I, I knew it was going to get... Everybody knew it was going to get banned, but, like, I'm, I'm upset because I spent a shit ton of money to get all the cards to play it, and then, like, I thought I would have more time with it, you know? Like, I knew it inevitably would get banned, but now I have, mm -hmm. like, a, a box. Literally, I have this blue box in my drawer, which, which I'm pulling out right now, and it has to sell written on it, right? And it's basically just yeah, on my breach sad. cards. And, and it's, it's frustrating, because, like, you know, I don't know. I mean, this is just, like, there's no way that you can come out of a ban with, with good reactions. I mean, maybe the, the, the format's going to be healthier, sure. But, um... <laughs> But like, so, I don't so know. I've just seen you play like a I... bunch of decks. I saw you play like Doomsday, like an Oko mid range yeah. deck with Plow and Decay. Like, have you been played other decks too? So that's like why I'm, I'm kind of like memeing and just playing a bunch of different things, trying to like dip my foot into like a little bit of everything, get a, like a piece of every pie, and then see what I end up liking um, besides miracles. Because to be honest, like, I don't know. I can't ex exactly explain it, but it's very. There's this like the weird phenomenon with me, which is just like I'll be like, okay, you know what? I need to I need to test out this new thing and this new thing and this new thing, and then I'll just like register the same seventy five in the next list and not like try anything out. You know what I mean? And I think like four years later, that's how I got really good with. Mir uh, I'm not gonna say that's how I that I started playing a lot of miracles, and then um, I missed the boat on a lot of other stuff. So I'm just like playing stuff out. It also just helps with the stream, like you know, just having a little bit more like diversity because. But I don't think people really care too much about, like, playing perfectly. Like, obviously, you don't want to make mistakes, like, you know, and play really, really, really badly. But 
uh, I think... Um, yeah, I think most audiences are generally more casual focused, and if you're more casual focused, yeah, you want it's a it's about it's about experience. being good at entertaining people, not being good at playing magic, right? Otherwise, otherwise, you know, I would be a very like, bad streamer. Okay, so like, other than you, you know, you want a good legacy deck. Like, what else are you looking for? You're like, it seems like you've been playing Brainstorm, but you're you're okay with playing like a combo deck. Um, yeah, I think or, what I've or realized, deck, basically, what I've realized is sort of something that you said, right? I, I think I'm a combo control player at the end of the day. That's what Top Miracles was. That's what Breach kind of was. I mean, maybe maybe I'm secretly like a Storm player and I should just be playing that deck, but I'm not a huge fan of Storm either. Doomsday seemed kind of interesting, but I've, I've got some thoughts on that. We'll talk about it later. Um, but yeah, essentially so that's where I am. combo control is generally an overpowered archetype because other decks have to play like bad cards to beat the combo aspect and then you just beat them with the control aspect. Um, I don't really, like, I think when a combo control deck is good, it's often too good. Uh, so, and, and I'm like, in general, like, those decks just don't exist for very long. So, like, I'm trying to think of, like, what decks could even, you know, qualify as that. Like, mm -hmm. I think the Kalem, um Primeval Titan deck is pretty interesting. Uh, it plays, you know, Chalice of the Void, Once Upon a Time, Dried of the Elysian Grove, and ramps up to prime time. So it definitely has inevitability in the long game. Um but also it has some like combo-esque elements too. So I think that's worth looking into, but it plays Chalice. So yeah, I don't know how you feel that deck that. is, <clears throat> that deck is actually just like sick, nasty. It's, it's, it's ridiculously good. I don't think, I don't think you're losing against many of like the, the blue soupy decks. I don't know how the Delver matchup plays out and I don't know how the combo matchup plays out, but it's pretty gross. Like I, I played against it yesterday in a league or like last night or something like that. I, I stood no chance. My opponent went like turn one, like Mox Diamond, turn two, Ramanab, turn three, Ghost Quarter you, Ghost Quarter you, Ghost Quarter you. Oh, hey, here's a Dryad. Ghost Quarter you twice every turn. I had like eight basics in my deck, and they all died by like turn like seven or six or something like that. So Wow, that's crazy. <laughs> I, 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 I haven't played against it yet, and I like just put together that interaction of Ramanab Excavator and Dryad of the Leasing Grove. Yeah. Plus you have all these Green Suns units. Um, okay, you, you're like making me want to fire this deck up. <laughs> yeah, I think I'm making myself want to fire it up too. Um... Oh, that's another thing. I have slowly realized that the best... Okay, look, I'm stealing this from another reputable legacy aficionado, um, Chase Hansen. Um, what am I thinking here? Oh, the best two-card combo in legacy, these are his words, not mine, <laughs> is Uro and lands that cast Uro. That card is just so ridiculous, and I can't wait to talk about it. Um, but yeah, like... Otherwise, I don't really have too much going on for me magic-wise. Um, all my events mostly got canceled. Uh, and I think there are a couple events that are, like, down the line. Like, for example, so we, we know that, like, the Missouri MTG 20K canceled, right? Uh, there's mm -hmm. the Terra uh, Eternal event in May. And I think that's probably going to get pushed back. Um, I don't know how long. I don't know what it's going to be like. I just, I talked to Joe today, and he said he was still figuring stuff out there. So... That that one that's another event. There are the weekly events that happen online, which are kind of nice. I mean, this the latest Legacy Challenge had about 138 players, which is exactly 69 rounds. Nice um, for round one. And I, I I don't I mean I mean next week and the week after these events are probably going to be about the same size, where like everyone's just playing because. Well, you know, the modern challenge was like 250 people, so yeah. that's just ridiculous. I, d I did some math, and um, basically, if you value QPs at like a dollar more or less, 
then the the rake or, or not the rake but like the number of entries equals the number of prizes at about 100 players so at like 200 plus players the ev is actually like pretty bad obviously if you're like you know really good you can still um come out ahead but i'm just saying that like uh these tournaments are getting really big really quickly so uh, i think overall it's still like, probably a good thing for magic online to grow some more and that's going to be our, our second topic foreshadowing is is magic online and how to get into it because a lot of people have been asking and i think it's a good time to get into it mm -hmm. due to the virus um so yeah actually let's let's quickly touch on that too how has the virus affected you guys daniel why don't you uh share if you've been affected like has i know you still are in school like do you just do online classes now or like what's happened with you yeah everything's online i mean i haven't heard a lot of stuff about uh you know toronto specifically um but i've mostly just been staying inside the, the there hasn't really been a lot of lockdown like i still walk my dog and there's seems to still be a lot of people outside i had to like go buy some stuff yesterday so it didn't seem like in you know toronto it's not hit as hard or it seems like people aren't reacting mm -hmm. Uh, that much. I think, I think we're still, you know, on the early end. I think maybe in a month, uh, we'll start to see things peak a little bit more, and, and I'm, I'm definitely worried because I see a lot of, you know, like China, Italy. They took like pretty strict measures, whereas the U.S. like you see people like I've seen Twitter videos of like this giant crowded beach when there are coronavirus cases like in that uh, state in Florida, and like. Uh, people are still going out for St. Patrick's Day to, like, you know, get crunk or whatever. And it's just, like, it's kind of irresponsible. So I I'm worried that, like, the U.S. numbers would be even worse than Italy. So I don't know. It's concerning. Yeah, I mean, in California, let's see. So I, I know Ved was telling me that San Francisco is on lockdown. Like, they're just, like, the, the city is quarantined. Like, he can't leave the house unless it's for, like, groceries or something like that. Uh, LA, oh, wow, so it's that bad. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. LA has shut down like restaurants. They've shut down like, like you know, movie theaters, that kind of thing, right? Any anywhere. I know DC and Boston has become like takeout only, but yeah, like any any event with like lots of public spaces have been closed. Yeah. that's crazy. So yeah, it, it makes sense that West Coast is more affected. I don't think San Diego has done anything too much. I know that like my uh, uh, coffee shop, like a coffee shop nearby me that I go to, is is now no longer open which kind of sucks. Um, but I think for me, like, specifically is that, like, my wife, you know, she's a doctor, right? So she works at UCSD, and there are, you know, people at UCSD who are testing positive for the virus. And I've heard a lot of things, like, that potentially, like, all the doctors will, you know, because you're interacting with so many people that could have coronavirus, like, you, you might just get it. And then, you know let's say hypothetically that my wife got the virus and then came home, then I would get it. So it's kind of like really real for me because like, well, there's actually like direct, there's a direct link, a direct exposure, like a, a feasible plan where I could actually end up having it. And then I just have to like, I mean, you know, wash my hands and probably like listen to people who know what to do in that sort of situation and then do what they say, mm -hmm. that kind of thing. So just not treat yeah. it lightly, basically. Agreed. Yeah, my plan is basically to bunker down. I've bought, I went to the supermarket grocery store with my girlfriend. We bought lots of food, stocked up, um, and basically, like, gonna, you know, eat out less today. Like, uh, maybe we won't go to restaurants anymore, and, and we'll still do, like, delivery while, while that's still safe, and then, you know, see where it all goes, basically. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, I mean, I, I actually don't even know, like, what the... What is like the, 
I don't know, I don't want to say ETA, but like, how long is this like, you know, expected to last? Like, I heard, I've heard two months. I've heard all the way till August. Like, I don't know. I think two months is reasonable. I think typically viruses do worse. Like flu, for instance, is goes away in the summer. Mm-hmm. Um, so I could see something like that happening. Um, but that being said, like, I think Singapore had a lot of cases, and it's a pretty warm country. So. Um, and they, but they also did a good job of like, you know, uh, quarantining. So, yeah. uh, there's also a question I know, I know like parts of China are like recovering, like Wuhan was the biggest and they quarantined really hard. Yeah. I think they've mostly eradicated the virus. So things are, you know, starting to go back to normal there and people are starting to, you know, go to, uh, work again. I read an article that was funny. That was like divorces in China are at an all time high because, what? All the people who are quarantined had to spend so much time with their significant other oh, oh my that they realized that they hated them. Damn. Um, or like the article was like ha- interviewed a lot of women and they were like, yeah, I used to think my husband worked really hard. And so when he came home, he was tired and that's why he didn't want to do the dishes or take care of our kids. But now I just realize he's a lazy bum. Oh, nice. See, <laughs> like, I was, that was transparent with mom about this from the get go. She knows how lazy I, you like. You know, it's <laughs> no surprise that I'm lazy. right? I was just like straight up like, look, this is what I do. This is what I'd be like. And she's like, all right, fine. But you got to own up for some of it. So I was like, OK, fine. Deal. So I don't I don't think it's uh, too much. I hope it's not too much of a surprise for her. But, but yeah. um, <clears throat> I mean, if we. So, yeah. So transition this. And yeah, yeah, we can we can transition. I just want to say one last thing, which is that like, uh, yeah, things are starting to go back to normal, but we don't know if. And I think like things are going to get better eventually, but then it could be like a seasonal thing, like the flu, which could be scary because it seems a lot more contagious. But maybe if they develop a vaccine, we'll be good. So mm. yeah, I just meant to say like we could transition just to like a more of like a magic related theme, or we could just move on to like actually talking about the first topic. Yeah, let's do the first topic, which sure. we've already started touching on. But let's... Cool. All right, so um, I don't know. The topic is vaguely called What's Good in Each Format now that we've had some bands. Uh, I have been playing some Legacy, and my honest answer, <clears throat> and this is, this is kind of weird because it's just like a week after, right? But I feel like there's not a clear contender for what deck is necessarily good in Legacy. I can tell you that Uro is absolutely insane like i used to i thought oko was just broko but no uro is like there's no cool pun for uro but i think uro is actually a little bit stronger than oko it just feels that way i mean oko does a lot of things but like whoa 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 i think you're crazy okay let's just let's just talk about oko now like what you can or sorry uro why why don't you say why you think uro is so good and i'll tell you why oko is way better Dude, the card is card. Okay, I okay. First of all, Uro is card advantage, right? You you cast it. Escape is just like you're casting a card from your graveyard, so it's not actually a resource. You're just spending mana on a card, and then when it ETBs, it draws more cards, it gains more life. That's not something you actually get to see a lot of Legacy. Like I think in in Legacy, life gain is extremely undervalued uh it allows for crazy racing situations it just allows you to like you know get an extra draw step and the power level of cards in legacy is so high sometimes that even one draw can like completely turn the tide of a game um i also think one of the real reasons that uro is just absolutely ridiculous in this format is that it's good against oko and and you might be like oh no you know it's not good against oko because it just gets elked but i think 
right, let me, let me explain the situation here. I was playing a game with Uro against an Oko, right? And my opponent was playing like Infect or something like that. So they have Noble Hierarch, Noble Hierarch, and an Elk. I put Uro into play, right, from my graveyard. Um, my opponent then proceeds to Elk it and then realizes that after, after attacking once where I chump block with my Uro that they can't attack anymore because then I just keep buying back my Uro over and over and over again. Um, just, you know, cantripping on the side and doing things like that to keep the, the escape costs, you know, payable or whatever. Um, yeah, and, and I think that's... Well, my counterpoint would be, like, that's from Infect. They don't really have a great way of, um, like, leveraging a better board position. Like, I would say that, like, if they had Oko still around, they could just keep elking it and then win, like, by generating a larger board. But Infect doesn't really have that ability. Yeah, so you mean that so like what they would just like do nothing for a few turns and make elks? I mean, you can just you can just elk it over and over and like overrun them with elks. Yeah, like, yeah, but I then like that's o that's o the point that I'm trying to make is that like Oko like you trade with their thing and then you draw cards and you're gaining life at the same time. So like that the, the damage that you're doing with the rest of your board gets mitigated by the life gain and then like the card draw means that I'm actually like developing my plan and getting deeper into a game where I can actually do something or find a way to come back maybe find my answer to Oko or find like a turning point or like even like for like find like a board wipe or something like that. I don't know like not everybody plays those but like I, I don't know. I, I just think um, I, I think that Uro is able to maybe maybe it doesn't actually beat Oko. Okay, so fine. Saying it beats Oko is like uh, an exaggeration, but it's it dramatically slows down Oko in a way that I don't think any other card that is you know currently played in Legacy really does. Um, simply by the fact that it has escape and then it just keeps coming back and over and over and over again. I think escape is actually the more I think about it, the more I'm not very happy with the me mechanic because something about recurring a card for free is I maybe also a little bit too broken i don't know i don't know yeah i mean like underworld breach was clearly like like uh really 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 bad um but i feel like uro just escape in general mm. is sort of like it, it's it's definitely a very 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 strong mechanic and i don't know how it's going to play out into the into the moving in the upcoming weeks except that you know Uro is just going to be seeing a lot of play by the way have i ever told you my new favorite combo in legacy after uro and lands that cast Uro. It's Uro and Mother... F Sylvan Library. I finally have been able to live my dream of paying eight with Sylvan Library, playing an Oko, and then just gaining my life back over the course of a couple turns. It's actually literally insane how well the two... Uh, how how uh, how well the two cards pair together. Did I say that right? Yes. Mm -hmm. That makes okay. sense to me. Yeah. So now, like, maybe I'm just thinking, like, there's, like, a Bant version of Miracles where you, like, you put Terminus on top of your deck, and then you've got, like, Uro to gain life from Sylvan Library, throw an Oko in the mix, you know, all these sort of things that could be, that might be, that I probably won't test for a little bit, but, like, you know, the ideas are definitely there. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Uro's making waves in Modern, too. It's it's part of the reason why Bant Control is so good. Mm. In Pioneer, I guess the combo would be Seder Wayfinder plus Uro, because it basically gets through the lands and cards in graveyard that you need since you don't have fetch lands in that format yeah so yeah i mean the card is definitely really good my main argument for why i think oko is better particularly in legacy is that it it doubles as an answer and a threat and it's like it's more live against combo decks whereas uro against combo decks in legacy is just like they don't really care they just go well it draws just... it draws cards like yeah oko yeah. kind of i would almost think oko's worse in some ways i mean it depends on the combo decks but it's nice. I guess that, like there's a lot of show and tell decks, and that's like at least one matchup, uh, and against Reanimator too. Like Oko, you know, it's not great, but it at least has text. Whereas yeah. Uro barely has text against show and tell and Reanimator. And depending on the context of the deck, so like I can't let go of Swords to Plowshares. I think that card is just so 
fundamentally like important in legacy um so then like in in that dynamic then like you know uro might be better than oko against something like like dark depths for example right where you're actually able to very easily get over 20 life which is something that i haven't really been able to do but i i, I don't know yeah it, it I just... think, well i think oko's better against dark depths because it makes it so that you have to win at instant speed if you ever have a turn to like jump block with a coaddle or a baleful strix then they can make it a 3-3 and that's like a huge swing so oko's actually really good against depths mm. yeah i don't know i i've just been very like it just i, I can't explain this outside of like uro is the kind of card like where it resolves uh, oh yeah let's also mention that uro is insanely good against delver by the way like i i don't think D delver is like losable now with uh with uro in the deck because like you play it the first time okay cool it gets uh it draws you a card and gains your life that buys you a draw step to get to the next turn and then you escape and put it into play and then suddenly there's a six six that draws a card and gains life every time it attacks and like you have to pyroblast it but like pyroblast isn't even good against uro because then you just like buy it back again that's another reason why i think uro is better than oko it laughs at counter magic and pyroblast i think the only really good answer to uro is something like like swords to plowshares where you exile it from the game immediately with um the triggers on the stack the first time it gets cast or you know you have like dedicated graveyard hate for it like scavenging use or or like you know, cling, cling, to dust. cling to dust yeah uh there's just no good answers for uro whereas like what about caracas uh, i feel like that's also not that good of an answer for uro because like okay like when, when do you when do you activate caracas when i when i escape it and exile five cards yeah. Okay. Well, then I don't know. I just feel like I just. It's keep also good with Karakas. You know what I mean? Because you can keep looping him. Yeah, I like. I, uh, yeah, like the thing is, I just keep to keep playing my Uro. If you bounce it with Karakas, uh, you have to have like Karakas plus a very deadly board. I think for it to to matter, right? Like you have to be like very ahead. Like you have to have what this this tempo thing that people talk about. Um, and it has to matter. And and the thing is, is like Uro is just so good at naturally mitigating that too, because you're you're gaining life off Uro, which I think uh, I mean matters a lot. Like, what decks even play Caracas nowadays? Like Death and Taxes, okay. Maybe some like you know decks that have it in the sideboard that are bringing it in, but like, eh, I don't know. Like, it doesn't yeah, like, really feel if you're like you're playing a... Delver against Uro. Depths. Like Caracas doesn't really solve your issue. Um, if you're playing depths against Zero, like, yeah, I mean, it's, like, fine, but usually you're trying to end the game earlier before the blue deck gets their, like, draw engine online. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, and then can we also yeah, talk about... Yeah, it was more of a... Go ahead, I yeah. kind of funny. <laughs> I thought it was mostly, like, kind of a joke, like, it's a legend, but I heard some oh, yeah. people saying that it's good with Caracas, because then you can, uh, bounce it with the trigger on the stack. Yeah. So it's, like, way too slow. <laughs> I also want to, like, I mean, point it can out... Come up. That it's insane. It is actually insane that Uro also is a ramp spell, dude. That's that like that. That's insane. No, no. Yeah, that's a good card. I, I think I mean, when I was you got to play a lot of lands to make it like hit. Like most of the time in blue decks, like you're not even using the ramp effect. No, but like in the bigger, like mid-rangey, like controlly blue decks, like Miracles, for example, like that was one of the reasons why Search for Escanta back in the day was like a coveted resource in Miracles because when you flipped, you suddenly jump from like three mana to five mana in one turn, which means you can play something like Jace or a three mana spell with like you know days backup or days proof or you you know all the sort of good good stuff. And, and I think that Uro just like like naturally like getting you to like 
six mana very very easily and not even like at that much of a cost right like because in general like at the highest level i feel like making land drops is actually painful after a certain point right you don't want to have your eighth land in play unless you're you know using all that mana but uro is like drawing you the cards drawing you the land so that you can put them in so it's not like you're actually really committing um yeah i mean the card is definitely messed up i thought it was you know before i understood how good underworld breach was i was like yeah this is probably gonna be the best card uh, from Theros for Legacy, and it, it's looking like it's probably going to be true. Mm. Um, yeah, no, okay, let's let's keep going. Like, wh yeah, so like, okay, so you're you're really high on Uro, and then but you're not entirely sold on like you know what shell to play it in. I wonder maybe it's just too difficult to fix the mana base of the Black Green Titan deck to play Uro. But I've always wondered like if you could play a because it's also a giant, so you could just play like four caverns and four Uro for prime time. But hey. I, I haven't exactly figured out how to build that yet. I guess Dryad is almost basically like free mana to let you recast Uro. So so like I would see if you could maybe splash Uro in the um the black green titan deck. Okay. Well Callum is giving us the live update saying that it's, he tried it and that it was like an unnecessary stretch. I'm kinda curious to see what the Well first of all like I don't even know like this this, this like somebody I don't even know what do we call this deck. I want to call it Dryad Control, but it could also be like Amulus Titan or something. That was a cool so one that I heard. I call it Green Black Titan because it's very similar to the modern decks. That yeah, are basically not the non Amulet Titan decks. Okay, so, so I'll, I'll call, call it Green Black, Black Titan, Titan too then. Um, but I want to see how the Green Black Titan operates, just to begin with. You know what I mean? Like what it's what it what it does well, what it misses, and that sort of thing. I mean, like Uro probably would be an upgrade to the deck, but like. I don't know. I, I gotta get games in to see what it's like because the dynamic with Uro is more, in my mind, is more like a a very controlly kind of kind of card, right? And so I don't know how that actually contributes to whatever the Dryad deck is trying to do. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I, I also I feel like. Yeah. What? I was just gonna say, like, I feel like if I was trying to, like, if I had, like a PTQ or a mock thing, like, I feel like Mystic Sanctuary is so broken. I mean, I say it every week now, but now we see it in modern. And <laughs> oh yeah, it's dominating modern. And I mean, Robert, it's basically the only mod. Like, so I was talking to Stefan. I'm like, why are people playing Deprive? He's like, oh, it's good with Sanctuary. I'm like, uh, okay. And then he was like, Uro's like a combo with Sanctuary because Uro plus Sanctuary like locks with Cryptic Command. I'm like, oh my god, like what's modern? Oh yeah, that's pretty sick. That's like literally, a, that's like. Close to a hard lock for any like deck that doesn't have that many instants. Okay. Wait, that's disgustingly good. Yeah, that's that's what modern's about now. Because I was talking to Stefan, he's like, "Oh yeah, it's all about Uro, Sanctuary locks or whatever." <laughs> yeah, Anurag, it seems like the the best decks that you might enjoy playing might not be in Legacy right now. How do you feel about that? That's kind of terrifying for me, but like I don't know. Like I I think the like one of the reasons that I find it very hard to get out of Legacy is that like Brainstorm is just actually like the most addicting drug i've had like my 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 general like if i take a step back and look at like me playing magic right like i started back in like rtr so like 2013 ish or something like that um i was playing standard blue eye red flash i was like okay this is cool uh played with boros reckoner a little bit then i got into modern i was like wow what do you mean i can go viserysir and like uh birthing pod and like you know gain infinite life with my with my what is it called kitchen finks something like that and then they banned that deck. Well, I actually quit Modern way before uh, they banned the deck. But um, and then I like I switched to. I was watching like Star City Games coverage, and then I watched like Deathblade and Shardless Bug, and I was like, wow, this this Brainstorm card is really cool when you can like put an Ancestral Vision on top of your deck and then draw three cards. Like what? And after that, it's just like I can't, I can't, I can't brainstorm, dude. It's just I can't. 
I, there's no like I don't even have the words to explain how much I love drawing three cards and then putting two back. That is probably the the coolest thing ever. I wish there was like a a draw two put one back, but even that there might is. be too strong for some. Wait, <laughs> okay, for one mana. Beyond. For one mana. For one mana. Oh okay. Yeah. I I tried it in modern before and like yeah. Yeah, I also tried it when Jace got unbanned. I was like, ooh, miracles. Okay. Don't no, it's yeah, not I'll, enough. Yeah. I also yeah, I also think in legacy one of the strongest things to do, uh, like is Jace the Mind Sculptor and Force of Will in the same deck. Like so that's why whenever I see a decks that don't have Jace the Mind Sculptor and Force of Will, I like really try and look what they're doing that's like powerful to make up for that because I think like that combination's so broken. It's especially yeah, broken in Sanctuary. I actually think you're you're just that's some boomer logic right there. I think Jason Mindscopter <laughs> has the Jace, Jace is boomer now. Yeah, dude. No, like, I think it's true. Like, especially Force of Will combined with Sanctuary, because you go like they go like cast a spell, you go Force it, then you go untap Sanctuary, fetch, put Force on top, play Jace Brainstorm. Like, it's kind of like the inverter of Legacy. Like, it's like why are people doing other stuff? But that's like that's like assuming so many things have happened. Like, like how dare you assume that your Jace the Mind Sculptor actually resolved without you know them having like a really big board or like? Dude, I, they I don't play know, like Primeval is... Titan. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but then you like you fetch and then shock the Jace. Yeah. Um, no, no, no. But like, I just think that between like Oko, Uro, Narset, Teferi, all of 2019 in a bottle. Jace has just become so much harder to like. I mean, like it's still very good when you can get into play in, in the right board state and untap with it, but it's just been so like it's been a headache to like. Jace have is to, like the original Uro. Four mana win the <laughs> yeah. game. Maybe yeah, Uro's just like, the new Jace. How about bad. that? Yeah. yeah, maybe Uro's the new Jace. That's true. Like I just want cards that like let me force of will and then like end the game immediately. Like that's why Jace so good. Like you play him and then you could have like Plow or Forest or whatever. And then you just end the game instantly. Like that's why he's such a good card. It's like people say Delver is like a tempo deck. Jace is like a tempo card, but instead of like three turns, it's like one turn. <laughs> See what? Mm. Yeah. Jace is like good tempo. It's like yeah. a good Delver. Like one turn end the game. That's why I like those kind of decks. And because you have so much disruption in Force of Will and your win con, like Earl or Jace is so flexible. Like you're not dedicating yourself to play threats. Like when you play a Titan deck, you're like working for all your threats and whatever. When you play a card like Jace or Uro, you're not like working for your threat. You just play it, and then you play all disruption. And yeah. You just, and that's why it's so good. And then you can just put like one and trade the angels if they have field of the dead or whatever. So that's why I like those kind of decks. Yeah, I, 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 I do agree. Like, I mean, like Jace is one of the the easiest cards to snowball with. Like, for example, Oko, you there's like a refractory period, right, where you like where you like hyper beam one turn and you make your three three, but then like the next turn you have to you know make a make a food token. I mean, that, that's not even always the case. Sometimes you have to like if you have astrolabes and stuff like that, then you can keep the fire going on, right? Um, but like. I don't know, J Jace is the, the kind of card where it's just like every turn, your hand gets better and better and better and better and better and better until they're just dead. Uh, but that being said, like, I, I think the cost to getting Jace into play has actually become a lot... I don't know, it just, it just feels it feels weird. Um, yeah, it's definitely harder these days. Yeah, and especially, like, I remember, like, the, the, the moment I fell out of love with Jace was when, like, Narset started seeing a lot of play. Uh, it's one mana cheaper, and it just says, you know, your Jace doesn't do anything, yeah. and... At that point, I was just like, "Well, this card, you know, certainly has 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 fallen off." Um, mm -hmm. But okay, let's talk about the other deck you've been playing. I see you have a lot of notes on on Doomsday. What do you think about the deck? Oh yeah, sure. I mean, there was another deck that I wanted to talk about too, but or another concept that I want to talk about too. But I think so. So Doomsday um, is kind of like a throwback card, right? What is it? Black, black, black. You know, make a deck full of five cards that's your deck now and then you like lose your life blah 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 blah. you guys know that um 
I think Thassa's Oracle is the new card out of the block that makes Doomsday like a lot better, simply because it makes resolving Doomsday a lot easier. And and when I say easier, I just mean that like it's it's like a much more compact win condition, right? Imagine like Laboratory Maniac getting bolted as you try to draw like something, right? Then you're just really sad. Whereas like Thassa's Oracle, like you just Put it on the stack, it resolves, trigger goes, they die, right? There's just nothing they can do about it if you have no cards in your library, and, and assuming the Oracle resolves, right? So um, I think that's the reason to revisit it. I know um, Ethan Formicella um, at Monkeys Can't Cry on, on Twitter has been, you know, he's he was the person who had been playing this deck for, you know, while Breach was, like, terrorizing everything. Um, I think... Uh, we, so he and I, we did a league together where, and I'm, I'm learning the deck slowly. I, I do think there's some problems, but it is very, very powerful, right? Like, I had a game against Eldrazi where I went, like, turn one Dark Ritual Doomsday. They went Warping Will. I went Force of Will. And I was just like, wow, this is absurd, right? This is another Force of Will plus Veil of Summer combo deck. And I think that is another thing that makes Doomsday very good, um, is that you just get to play, like, you can play, like, White for Teferi, uh, which is really good with, like, the whole Doomsday playstyle, or you can play, like, Green for Veil of Summer, which I think is, like, Pretty absurd. I think Veil of Summer is just like really dumb in these combo decks. It's very, very, very powerful. Um, what am I trying to say here, though? But yeah, the, like that's just like one fundamental thing about the deck that I think is really broken. Uh, I guess I should just go over like maybe some of like the bread and butter uh, combos with the deck. So bear with me because uh, this is where it gets a little bit complicated. But uh, essentially, it's like once you resolve Doomsday, the, these are the five cards I want you to think about. You ready? The first card is Lion's Eye Diamond. That's an easy one. Lotus Petal. Thassa's Oracle. Edge of Autumn. That's a new one. And then Predict. Uh, so just to cover, Edge of Autumn is like a zero mana cycler, kind of like Street Wraith, except instead of paying two life, you uh, you sacrifice a land. Uh, and so then the pile that you're going to make is um, you put Edge of Autumn, Lion's Eye Diamond, and Predict on top in any order. And then you have uh, Lotus Petal and... Thassa's Oracle on the, as the bottom two cards. You brainstorm into the first three cards, and then you put back your, uh, you know, one card, and then you put back, like, uh, Predict, right? Play your LED. Um, cycle with your Edge of Autumn, cracking LED on the stack for blue, blue, blue. Then you draw your Predict. Spend uh, two of your three blue mana to cash Predict. Mill whatever card you put back. And then you draw Thassa's Oracle and Lotus Petal. And then just play both of those, and then you win the game with, uh, I think, no cards in your library, uh, which is really, really cool. Um, I don't. I think there are like a lot more piles that you could have that involve Oracle. So, for example, I was playing against someone who was playing like, you know, just Bug, and they just they literally went Street Wraith, Street Wraith, Street Wraith, Oracle, you're dead, that kind of thing. You know what I mean? So, um, I, I'm not going to pretend like the whole deck has been discovered, but there are like some fundamental things that you know you have to to have or there are some like you know base combos that the deck can execute that have been that are pretty powerful right and this sort of goes back to what i was saying earlier which is like i really like combo control decks right you know what's a really good control card predict i think that card is incredible where you get to draw two cards and then just like live your best life kind of thing um the downside though is that there are a lot of restrictions with the doomsday combo so for example this whole process that I sort of mentioned to you is actually pretty expensive, right? So Doomsday costs three mana. Uh, Predict is two mana. That, and then what? Your Oracle is another two mana. So that's seven mana in total. But you also need a way to, to draw the first card 
uh, off the top of your doomsday pile so that is typically typically going to be like a, a one mana cantrip so for example like predictor so not sorry it's like brainstorm ponder maybe astrolabe if you have that and that leaves you with a total of eight mana to execute your combo and kill in the same turn right which is a lot now fortunately there are tools to mitigate the mana cost so you've got like dark ritual for doomsday you have the lion's eye diamond and the lotus petal that i mentioned but it's it's still kind of a lot to put together when you're facing a lot of hate from the other side of the table right because i, I think for me the hardest part of this is like balancing your deck so that you can draw a card the turn you cast doomsday and that's not always going to happen when you're you know cantripping and sculpting and trying to find you know answers for counter magic discard permanence like you know, Leovold or Collector Oof or whatever it is that, you know, might stop you. Um, so, yeah, I, I think there's definitely, like, real potential. The hardest part is, like, when you have to come up with, like, an outside-the-box pile that, that you want to try and kill somebody with. And, and that's where I think, like, maybe... Honestly, Daniel is secretly probably going to be the best Doomsday player ever. Just, like, how much thought, though, that he puts into these sort of things, like, where he wants to play around everything. I feel like you just, like, solidly freeze for, like, 10 minutes and just, like, like not know how to do... You'd probably still win, but it just takes so much time. Like, it's kind of no, like... I'm um... not good at these decks. I just think <laughs> slowly, so it looks like I'm thinking a lot. But really, I'm thinking 10 minutes, and nothing's really going in my head. I'm just thinking, how do I think again? <laughs> There's just, like, a blank <laughs> box hovering. <laughs> Yeah, You're I like thinking that, about Mango Lassies, probably. I, I always wonder, like, you know when people are, like, when they start, like, when they pull out their, their hands and they start, like, tapping the table and they're just like, all right, one, two, three. And I'm just like, I have never thought like that before in my life. What if they're just, like, Hollywooding, you know what I mean? Like, I don't know. Um, I just do that so it looks like I'm thinking. So that Yeah, that's, that's what I'm saying. That's what I thought, too. Yeah. Uh, but, cool. but, uh. yeah. What's up? Yeah, I was just going to say, so I, I did post in our group uh, a couple of, like, the results that have come out so far. Okay. And it looks like in Legacy, there are several decks that have been posting up the most results. First place, surprising or not, is Black Red Reanimator. Uh, then there's Four Color Loam without Red, uh, Rug Delver, and Eldrazi Stompy. So, as well as the Sultai Green Sun Zenith deck. Uh, I know Stefan was telling me, like, he thought that deck was actually a lot better than it looked on paper um but yeah i think reanimator is just like it's a deck that like if people stop respecting it'll definitely put up good numbers it's, it is that powerful yeah. but once people start respecting it, it does get a little bit worse um it's it's usually like if the metagame is a ton of combo then it can, can be good regardless of people preparing for it but like that's like the main instance i think it's pretty good is when there's a ton of combo because yeah. it usually dunks on the other combo decks yeah at least i so I was just gonna say, I always thought Reanimator is one of the strongest decks in Legacy. Like it's like if you're whenever you play whatever deck, you have to compare what you're doing to Reanimator because it's so uh, rawly powerful. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think the card Entomb is ruined for me because of Gristlebrand. Like uh, when Breach was legal, uh, you know, my friend John was he went Entomb for uh, I think it was like Brain Freeze or something, and I was like, what if that was just a Gristlebrand? You know what I mean? Um, mm -hmm. But I mean, it was he was obviously just like trying things out. But it's just like yeah, the bar is always set there. Certainly, um, even when deck building, you always have to have like. Uh, that kind of stuff in, in, in consideration. I'm actually massively salty because uh, I was playing my other deck uh, in the challenge last week. My opponent Mulligans, it's round eight. We're both X2 uh, playing for a potential top eight because uh, there was like 138. So some, I think four X2s made top eight. And my opponent just went like, turn one, mold a six, unmask, dark ritual, you're dead. You know what I mean? Like, And I was just like, I had force of will in my hand too. Um, yeah. 
Yeah, it's something uh, you always need to contend with. And respect think about it, yeah. At least. Yeah. So, so basically, I just want to go back and say, like, regarding Doomsday, like, I don't actually think, I, I'm not, I'm, I'm, look, look, Breach definitely spoiled me, because um, Breach was just busted, right? And it's, it's very clear that nothing is on the level that Breach was at. Um, so, so if I say anything about Doomsday, like in, in like a, and then it sounds like a negative sort of thing, it's just like, I have, I have, I guess I set the bar really high. So now I can really only on average, I'm going to hit low aim or hit low. Yeah. So I think Doomsday still does need a little bit of work. So for example, I think the Delver matchup is actually really, really scary because lightning bolt is just like fundamentally good against you. You know what I mean? You have to be able to play around that sort of stuff. Um, and, and and that's that's a huge thing, right? Like if, if you're gonna play combo and you have uh, a very dicey Delver matchup, that's a red flag for me because Delver is one of the most played decks, regardless of if it's good or bad. You know what I mean? Um, it typically tends to be one of the better decks in the format too, and I don't know, people just like playing Delver. Uh, but yeah, I don't know. So like I, I I know there are a lot of people working on it, and these are players that I definitely like respect and trust and. I'm excited to see where Doomsday goes, and I hope it does become a really good combo deck in the format. Because honestly, it, it's a really cool card, and the and like the thought process that goes into making piles is like very fun magic, actually. Where you try to like play around stuff and beat things and think about that sort of stuff, but it's also very hard. I don't know. Uh, we'll see. We'll, we'll see what happens to it. I hope it uh, does pretty well. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, should we move on to our next topic? Well, I kind of want to talk about my other deck. What's your other deck? Like I, I wrote like. Excuse me, giant like blob on uh, this four color uh, yeah, no red. Yeah, your your four color no red deck. All right, let's hear it. All right, cool. So just my elevator pitch is right now. I think red is not very good in legacy. Um, I ran a Twitter poll the other day, which was like, what is the best blue duel in legacy? Bob, what do you think the best blue duel is? Well, I was saying Tropical Island because it casts Veil vale and Oko. Okay. And Uro too, I guess. <laughs> Daniel, what do you think the best blue duel is? Well, I didn't think of it recently. I voted Underground Sea because I thought about Death Rite Shaman, but I guess it's banned. <laughs> you just, uh, you're living, like, you're, like, living in parallel worlds or, like, you just don't have, you don't experience time linearly like we do. Yeah. Well, no, I just thought, I always, like, the last time I thought about this question, I always thought, wow, Underground Sea is so much better than all the other duels because it has Death Rite Shaman and I never updated that. Then I'm like, I don't know, I guess Volcanic maybe it has Pyroblast, but apparently it sucks now. Like, I always thought Tropical is one of the worst ones, but I guess, like, maybe with all the good green cards, it's good now. Yeah. Well, there were no Tropical green cards. The, the best worst. green card was Tarmogoyf in Sylvan Library for so long. Yeah. Yeah. God, green just went through a really rough period. But now I think Tropical Island is just, like, in the in, in current legacy, like, Tropical Island is just, like, the best uh, blue duel, hands down, right? Like, I, I, I think... Oko, Vale, Uro, um, what else is good? Like, Koatl I mean, the is cards also around really it got better. Like, Sylvan Library got even better than before. Yeah. And uh, Ice Fang Koatl is, like, the new Baleful Strix. Yeah. So, there are a lot of cards you can play. And, yeah, so, I, I don't know. Even, like, Leovold is a green card, technically. So, I don't know. My, my theory Primeval right Titan now... is playable. Dryad oh. of Gleasing Grove, like, oh God. hello. Yeah. Oh, yeah. God. Um, so, so, then let me ask you this, right? Like, so... I think Tropical Island is just the best, but what are the other good cards in red right now? You've got Pyroblast. Okay, that's one card. Lightning Bolt. Uh, yeah, okay. That, Dreadward that's Arcanist. Arcanist. Sure. Like, Dreadward Arcanist is the only reason Delver is still playable, and, like, it's it's way too early to say anything, but Delver hasn't put up very many results in this past week since Breach got banned. Mm -hmm. So, like, 
personally, I, I do feel like Delver is slightly behind against Okodex. Um, it's still like pretty close, and it, obviously, if you like an Arcanist start with Force Backup, you're probably ahead. But like, yeah. I feel like you almost need that start now. Like, if you don't have that start, it's almost just like you'll be behind. It's very tough. Like, I don't know. I played against Andrea in the challenge. I resolved an Oko, and he just conceded. Like that kind of thing, right? At like the, what was the, he on? The Grixis, Grixis Delver. Okay. Yeah. So I, I don't know. Like basically, but that's what I'm trying to say there, right? Like Pyroblast is like a, a good quote generic card. And then, um, what is it? You said Lightning Bolt? Okay, that's removal. All colors have removal, except for green, I guess. Um, and then... What was the Lightning Bolt's a lot better than, like, Fatal Push. Like, I think Lightning Bolt... Like, Delver decks for a long time were just splashing red for, like, Lightning Bolt. It's so much mm -hmm. better than the Fatal Push. Yeah. And like, then, I would say it's, like, similar to Plow. Okay. Yeah, I mean, no, light, Lightning Bolt is good. Don't get me wrong. But... Sorry, let me also, let me also, I'm going to, I'm going to just like make my conversation a little bit more like picky, right? I'm going to talk about in like the context of like control. How about that? Okay. okay yeah, because yeah, I was going to say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So now, now, so now, now that I have, now that I've said that, let's revisit again, right? So what, what good cards does control have in red? Lightning Bolt is and Pyro Blast? Is Red of Flame a control card? Oh my God. All right. We, <laughs> we have to, I'm sorry. Uh, I have... I feel like every episode I have the stupid joke where I'm like, we're kicking Bob off, Bob off the cast. But one of these days, it's actually just going to happen. He's going to say something so dumb that, that we'll just obli be obligated to do it. You know what I mean? Um, Ancient Grudge is pretty good. Yeah, K-Command is not that good anymore, is it? When I was when I was playing four-color Snowco, I just played like three Ancient Grudge sideboard. But I, that was probably wrong. I just loved that card. Oh, yeah. So I, I, I also <laughs> disagreed with that. I told you that I disagreed with that. I, don't, I mean, Ancient Grudge is cool, but I... Like, I don't like it in the face of, like, enchantments and things like that being very, very important and powerful, but, um, no, but yeah, that's what I'm trying to say, like, okay, you can make an argument for, so Pyroblast is definitely good, and then, like, Lightning Bolt. I don't know what other good cards there are. Blood Moon, you don't really need that, you can give it back to basics. Like, you're also playing four colors, let's, 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 let's sit, sit down and slow down a little bit. Dak Faden? Dak yeah, well, Faden are, is... We're playing Punishing Fire and Dak Faden together, but, like, yeah, Punishing Fire is just not very good because it doesn't kill, like... Oko very well, or Dreadhorde Arcanist. So. Okay, so now... Red cards destroy full play. Yeah, exactly. That's that's what you would have to dig through, right? So I'm going to tell you some other cards now. So for example, let's say like Abrupt Decay, Plague Engineer, uh, Leovold, Swords to Plowshares, any White Hate Bear, like Containment Priest. Like, these are all really good cards. I also think, by the way, Deafening Silence is an insane card in the format right now. Um... And then obviously my personal favorite, like the card that I think is just horribly underrated in Legacy right now, is Seven's Reclamation. I think that card is just like a, a mid-range control ball buster that um, honestly everyone should be playing, uh, but probably nobody is. Um, so TLDR, yeah, I, I just think the red red is lacking, splashing, it, doing that kind of damage to your mana base for for just Pyroblast in the sideboard when you have to deal with decks like Black Red Reanimator, Chalice of the Void, you know. Um... I, I think yeah, if you play Decay, you don't need Pyroblast. The main downside to playing Decay, I see, is that uh, basically Veil of Summer. Yeah, it it is. It, Veil of Summer is a pretty big deal, but I, I I don't know. I think Veil of Summer is the kind of card that you can play around. Like a lot of people, I, this may be like a not very popular opinion, but I think Veil of Summer doesn't need to be banned. Um, because I, I, I feel like you can just play around that card uh, to a certain degree to minimize the impact of it. And so when suddenly you like Veil of Summer is like a card that just rots in your opponent's hand, like you're just so much better off, uh, or, you know, like 
how, how am I trying to explain this, right? Um, well, it's not that good against control decks because you can just, like, instead of interacting when they hold up a green, you can just, like, build your control cards. Like, you can play your Okos and Sylvan Libraries and Jaces. Yeah, you can basically play around Veil vale of Summer to make it, a, make it a not busted card, you know what I mean? Like, don't force a will in obvious situations kind of deal, I mean, which kind of sucks, but, like, or, like, the, the, the most common thing is, like, don't Pyroblast on the stack, Pyroblast the Oko once it's resolved, that kind of thing, you know, like, those sort of small plays eventually add up, or other things like you know when you're deck building, maybe we want to consider fewer thought seizes if you know if you're playing like black in your control deck, right? Like I actually think thought seizes is really poorly positioned right now, and that might be because of veil of summer. But like if it's poorly positioned because of veil of summer, then don't play, don't put yourself in situations where you actually you know die to the veil of summer. If we're playing around veil of summer by not putting thought seeds in our decks, then that's uh, it's kind of borders around playing around, you know. <laughs> Yeah, yeah I, I, mean, I don't know if I call that playing around. That's well, like one okay, reason why you, you I was build not your happy deck around Veil of Dust. Summer too. You know what I mean? Like, let, keep it in mind when you when you when you when you do it. Um, but I also just think that, like, from a control perspective, like the things that Abrupt Decay brings to the table is just like a lot more valuable right now than than what Pyroblast brings to the table, right? Like, okay, Pyroblast will stop your like all the blue spells. Sure, that's cool. Um, I think it's good against Show and Tell too. That's kind of cool. Um, but Abrupt Decay having impact against like Chalice of the Void is huge. Uh, just main deck removal for cards like Aether Vial, I think is huge. Now, I mean, obviously Oko does that too, but Abrupt Decay is just like, I don't know, it's just, it's just like clean, it's uncounterable. Like weird shenanigans can't happen outside of like Veil of Summer. Um, that's one thing that I've, I have not played with Abrupt Decay like ever. So from my perspective, I'm stepping into the ring and I'm just like, wow, I didn't know I could do all these things like until like last week. You know what I mean? Um... I, I hate Abrupt Decay. I always feel like it's so clunky. Whenever I have Abrupt Decay in my hand, I feel like mm -hmm. I'm playing like a standard deck. And it's like so clunky. It's like so bad with Basic Island. I mean, it's a good card. It's definitely good. It's better now yeah, that yeah, Oko yeah. exists. But I always I feel like it's so it's so clunky with Basic Island. I think um, one one way to like oh, yeah. make Abrupt Decay less clunky is to play Swords to Plowshares alongside it. Because uh, then you don't, have, you don't have to like rely on Abrupt Decay. Um... And so this is sort of like where my, my thought process is going, right? Like, um, I think one unique card that Pyroblast does hit is, like, Jace. That, that, that's something you can't abrupt decay. But I also think Jace is kind of, like, unplayable right now, personally. Um, and nobody's really playing it. So you don't really need it right now. You don't really need Pyroblast to stop, to stop Jace. Um, mm -hmm. I thought you were also playing Dread in the Lock. Obviously, it doesn't answer Jace on board, but... It answers it on the stack. Yeah, the yeah. Guy. Black also gives you... I, I, I think Drown in the Lock is a fantastic card. I mean, you can be played against it, pretty pretty easily. It's actually, like, a fair card that they designed in, you know, 2019. Yeah, like, so. last episode, I think we had, like, a this is what we like out of 2019. Like, uh, Drown and Lock definitely goes in there because it's, like, multimodal, and it has restrictions that are, like, you know, reasonable restrictions. Um, so... So yeah, I don't know. Yeah, uh, so basically, where, where this where this thought experiment concludes is, all right, we're playing four color control, but this time we're playing blue, black, green, and white. No red, no pyroblast, and so the end product is a deck that has swords to plowshares. Uh, you know, has all your busted green cards. So okay. to me, it, it it really just seems like you're not necessarily. Well, it depends on what your goals are, right? Like, I think if your goal is to win, I think you're not really approaching it in this right way because you're, what you're doing right now is you're saying, like, you're starting from the place, oh, I want to play control. How yes. do I build the best control deck? Yes. But, like, that's just not what Legacy seems to be about right now. Like, I agree with everything you're saying, but then I just don't agree with the fundamental premise that, like, you should be looking for a control deck. Um, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I mean, we're not even, like, I'm... 
yeah, I'm not even sure that control is the best thing to be doing, right? Like, theoretically, you could say, like, okay, maybe I'm supposed to be playing a combo deck like Doomsday or something like that, or, like, Black-Red Reanimator. But I'm saying, like, within the realm of control, like, I just think that if you wanted to, like, optimize a control strategy that is going to win, like, for moving forward... Yeah, I, I mean, th- control strategies that have done well in Legacy, like, they have a co- they have a combo element, like, Counterbalance plus Top, or, like, mm-hmm. you know, being able to set up Terminus... Uh, like in general, I think blue soupy control decks have always been like playable, but not necessarily good. Yeah. And like you're just building a blue soupy well, control well, deck. Well, blue soupy control decks are definitely beatable. They're exploitable. You know what I mean? And that, I feel like that's how decks like Dark Depths, like like Depths, just do so well against it because like you know post board that you just surgical their plows and then they're dead, or you put Sylvan Safekeeper into play and then they're dead. You know what I mean? I, don't, um, I always feel like those matchups pretty close. Like people always said, like Depths destroyed Grixis control. But I always mm-hmm. feel like Grixis Control is pretty decent against it. I don't know if, like, Depths necessarily, you know, destroys the blue soup decks. And also, I feel like people always say, like, stuff like, you know, Goblins or, like, Cloud Post destroys Miracles or, like, these blue soup decks. But whenever I play these blue soup decks, mm-hmm. I just play Jace the Mind Sculptor and, like, have Force <laughs> of Will. And then, like, I don't know. if I never feel like any matchups that bad when you just have, like, Jace the Mind Sculptor in your deck or some threat like this. Like, a lot of the those decks, you know, they don't interact that much and they just play, like, some sticky threats, but you have cards like Entreat the Angels and stuff. Yeah. I mean, maybe I could be wrong if I if I played more, but I never... I felt like people were always a bit hyperbolic Well, about Daniel, you're, you're so high on um, on Mystic Sanctuary. Like, would you play that in Legacy right now? Like, what would your... Well, if you, like, start to play more Legacy, like, what would you be most interested in exploring? Like, well, I thought that... I, I kind of like playing Depths, like, just to see what, what stuff is like, but it's not a deck that I love to play, because it has, it's, it can have awkward top decks and stuff. Uh, I was interested in, like, your Bug Depths deck, kind of, but not, like, I wouldn't think it's probably the best thing, but just to see. I Strifo, I was going to say, he said he was, like, 19-1 and one or something, I haven't checked last time, but he seemed to, like, win a ton with his deck, and I thought it was, like, pretty interesting, like, it, it uh, he doesn't, I don't think he plays Mystic Sanctuary, but... I would be looking at sort of a shell like that. I kind of like the band. like all duels, yeah. Yeah, I, I kind of like that. Like, I would probably just put one Mystic Sanctuary in. Uh, I don't know, it might be bad. Like, I, I tried his deck. Badlands and Grove. Like, I tried his deck, and I, I remember I just cut Punishing Fire and Grove, and I just added, like, Basic Lands, Astrolabe, and Sanctuary. Yeah. But I, I did kind of miss Punishing Fire in some games, so yeah. I don't really know. Like, I kind of like the Bant decks, but they can be not great at removing opposing walkers. Strifo's deck can be better at removing opposing walkers. Like, the thing about Abrupt Decay and, like, Assassin's Trophy is that they always trade down, so they have that, like, versatility about them, but, like, whenever you cast Decay, it almost feels like you're trading down. Like, either their card costs less mana than Decay, or their card, if it costs more than two mana, it it does something for value. And also you have the fact that Abrupt Decay is only reactive, so you can never, you know, play it that proactively. So even if you trade with a card like Counterbalance, it's like, you know... There's also going to be games where it's rotting in your hand because you don't have something proactive to do against a control deck. Uh, if I if I was, you know, if I was going to play a deck right now, I'd probably try and look at like random, you know, Uro decks. I also like Dredge, but it seems like Uro is pretty good against Dredge because it exiles Bridge from below, and also yeah. people can just play a lot of Graveyard Hate against Dredge, which is awkward. I'm not oh really... yeah, Uro just destroys. But I, the first time I did that, I was I was giddy. I was like jumping up and down. I was like, wait, what? Because it yeah. sacrifices itself. And, and I mean, the Doomsday decks looks pretty cool. Like, I might look at that. Like, usually when there's a new deck, I just wait, like, a few weeks and see if people are still playing it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it looks pretty good. I'm not really a combo player, so that's why I would probably wait a few weeks. But I'd probably be looking yeah. at, like, Uro decks. Like, Uro seems like one of the strongest things. 
And like, yeah, when I'm playing Legacy, like playing, you know, Force of Will plus like Broken Threats, it's it's pretty hard to for me to not want to do that because I think that's like so so powerful together. Mm-hmm. Mm. Oh, right. can I can we've, I also mention? Going... Okay, one last thing, and then Bob can interrupt me. Um, another reason that I don't like Pyroblast, by the way, is the dynamic between Uro and Counter Magic. Did I mention this before? I think I mentioned it like super super early, but I want to like harp back on this. Um, and that is that Counter Magic is really really bad against the card that goes back into your graveyard after it gets countered, and then you just like cast it again the next turn. Kind of like Life from the Loom, right? Do you want to like Force of Will a Life from the Loom? No, never. Same thing with Pyroblast. You don't really want to Pyroblast the arrow because it just it's it's literally like a card advantage if it's being cast from the graveyard, kind of deal. Um, whereas I mean, what, what is good for Surreal? Well, there's that's the problem with Uro, and that's why I think it's a really good card. There's nothing that truly like destroys it outside of like like so graveyard hate. I think is really good against Uro, but there's you don't want graveyard hate against the kind of decks uh, that Uro plays, except for maybe cling to dust. I think that is a very good answer to Uro. Um, the other answer, the only other answer that I think is reasonable is like Swords to Plowshares, is where you just exile it, you take you take the L on one card, and then you like um, exile it. Oh, isn't it like two cards? What's up? Isn't it two cards with a row? Because it draws and then it draws again. Uh, no, so you so when they cast it for three mana, then you exile it immediately on the stack. Just never oh, let it go. Oh, okay. The I, did, yeah. I didn't realize you could do that. You can also play like Rest in Peace if you play like Death and Taxes, and it could hit like Snapcasters. Uh, wait, what? Rest in peace. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So like, rest in peace is another good one that actually really messed me up too. Um, when I was playing Euro, that that, but that's for like like non, non blue decks and non. Yeah, you know, can whatever. also try and like race it, but that that's the thing about Euro. It's so good. I've played it a lot in standard. Like, if your opponent's like Reality Smasher in play, like the thing is Euro stabilizes you. Mm-hmm. Like, by he makes it so like it's really hard for creatures to attack past him, and even if they're like evasive, like True Name, he just gains three life. So if your opponent's like Reality Smasher in play. Well, now you have a 6-6, six, six, so now they can't attack into it. Yeah. And if they have, like, a true name in play, well, it just gains 6 life, and now you're going to gain 3 life when it attacks. So that's the thing about Uro. Like, I was playing a lot in Standard, and it felt like one of the most busting cards in Standard to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's actually funny in Standard, the way people combat it. I mean, not it's not specifically, but Claim the Firstborn. It's kind of off-topic, but a lot of decks in Standard play 4 of it, and it's really good against Uro. It's like an active treason for CMC Spree or less. Yeah. It's kind of funny. Like, Uro's not actually that good in standard, which is what I meant to say, which is kind of interesting. Like, Uro's, like, one of the less less powerful things to do in standard, which is which is kind of interesting, but I guess the interaction's way better in Legacy, so that, that's why. I the, the one drawback they got right on the card was they made it really hard to cast. Like, green, green, blue, blue is, like, not easy. Yep, I agree. That's what they need to do. Like, I, I think the, the cost for these broken effects needs to be a lot higher. They, they definitely missed the ball on things like Underworld Breach, and they definitely missed the ball on... Well, I don't know, like, I think... Oko. Yeah, Oko is another big one, too. Um, do, do you think uh, Uro would be a lot worse if Astrolabe was illegal to cast it for oh, free? Oh, hell yeah, it would be way worse, dude. And then I couldn't, then I couldn't need, do... You need two Tropicals in play. Yeah, th- then I wouldn't be able to... Wasteland that stuff, dude. Wasteland <laughs> that Uro. Exactly. Um, Narset and Leovold are pretty good against Oko. I know, like, Twitch chat is mentioning this. I've had... Uh, Leo in play against uh, against enemy Uros, and it was kind of nice. It sort of solves half the issue, but I mean, I don't know. It's, it's still a, a recurring six six. Like yeah, yeah. That's that's well, the, the, well, thing the problem too, right? is well, the problem I think it's more like you have to play a blue deck at that point to stop Uro. Like obviously Narset and Leobold are good against Uro. Like I've been playing a lot of Pioneer and Standard, so Narset versus Uro comes up a lot, and mm-hmm. it's obviously really good for the Narset player. But then it's you basically have to play blue at that point. I don't yeah. know if there's uh, there's like Alms Collector in white. 
I don't even know if you want like non blue <laughs> options. Yeah. It's like a blue, it's like a white narcissist. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay, cool. I, I did my little spiel. I just say shout out to a uh, couple players that helped me uh, with with this thought process. Is like Lynn Chalice and then Kath Jews. So they're both Magic Online players. Um, Shuin and Thomas. Thanks oh, I think he's from Toronto. Oh yeah, you're right. That is true. Yeah, we met at uh, Eternal Weekend, and then I think I saw. Did I see Thomas at GP Bologna? I don't know. All right. Well, anyways, well, that's cool. a pretty good transition because the second topic, which I've been trying to get to for half an hour, is is getting into Magic Online. Um, I, we've definitely like it's like how we've met like a bunch of people. Like I feel like it's kind of one way that we like knew about you, Daniel. And I think like now with paper events being canceled, like. I have some friends, uh, you know, Eric Copenhaver from our area, for instance, he's like, yeah, I'm probably going to finally buy into Magic Online because there's no paper events. Like, now is the perfect time, and, like, all three of us are pretty much MTGO grinders, and so we know a lot about MTGO. We, like, play way more MTGO than we do in real life. So I figured we, we're probably in a good spot to, like, share some more beginner tips. So obviously if you are, you know, very well-versed in Magic Online, um, feel free to skip this section. Uh, I'm sure... Uh, we'll, we'll be covering like some of the basics, but um, I think if you're like considering getting in, I think I definitely would recommend it. And we're gonna go through like a lot of the things that we wish maybe we knew when we were first starting out. Cool. Um, and yeah, this is this is also based on a question from uh, Dugs on Twitch. He said basically, you know, weekly LGS events are going to be down. Uh, what are some ways players can play online? Oh, he's actually asking what can are some ways players can play online outside of M MTGO. Um, which is interesting. I know people are doing, like, like I personally haven't done it, but I know some people can, like, play over Skype. Um, and obviously there's MTG Arena as well. But uh, before we dive into MGO, MTGO, do you guys have any thoughts on that? Uh, I don't know. Am I allowed to mention Carcatrice? That's how I got Oh, damn, that's a good one. I remember, like, back in the day, That's that's that was the, that was the OG. I'm not buying into Magic Online because I'm going to play on... Cockatrice well, or Cockatrice. When I was right like on. a student, I was poor, so I was like, yeah, I'm just going to play Cock Magic. Nice. Um, yeah, they God, have Magic just, League oh, on God, there. No, that, well, now I, I can never go back. Uh, yeah, they, have, they have Magic League. I don't know if Magic League still runs tournaments. No, they're crafts. gone. I, I was looking them up the other day. I like grew up playing on Magic League, and I like used to play with Paulo. Like, literally, literally Paulo, Vitor, Dama, De Rosa used to play a lot on Magic League. And like, um, there, there's definitely some legends. Uh, Caleb mm -hmm. Durwood also used to play on Magic League, but that's 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 long gone. That's a throwback. Yeah, I used to play on Magic League uh, before because it was, and they also have like drafts and stuff on yeah. there. Plus, oh, I have a good cockatrice tip. Uh, if you play like, let's say you play Modern, and you don't want people to join these bad brews, just make your username like Tron Player. My my username <laughs> on cockatrice is like Tron Player ninety five, because then nobody's gonna join. Everybody's gonna only play good decks against you, and that's actually uh. a really good tip. <laughs> Wow, that, that is a good tip. That's, the, that's, that's, so we're that's, gonna see that's like, that big brain Daniel Goatshill technology. And that's G-O-A-T, Goatshill, baby. Let's see it. Okay, that's what I'm talking about. I'm um, going to log on to Cockatrice and see like Tron Player 1, Tron Player 2, Tron Player 3. <laughs> that, dude, I actually, okay, so this is one thing I'm going to talk, I guess we could talk about this in like the cons for Magic Online. We'll get back to this. I'm going to put that there. Um, but like, I, I think at the end of the day, nothing truly compares to Magic Online. Because, um, uh, one second. Okay, cool. Because, well, the, the, the platform is just like, 
it's like the best thing out there in terms of like the back end programming. It just does a lot of things automatically for you. So like Cockatrice and like even Xmage, I think is like very manual, right? You have to like click this and do that. And then Magic Online just takes care of all that sort of stuff for you, which makes sense. It should, cause it's like Watsi's, you know, program. Um, so the, the basic premise is you go to the, like the Watsi website, download, install. I think there's like a, is, do you have to pay like a $10 fee to get in? I think they have free accounts now, but then you like can't trade with them. Um, and I think your events are limited as well. So more or less, it's basically $10, but then you get like $10 of sealed product. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Which, yeah, right. They give you like, so So Magic Online is full of like digital products. So it's basically like you have like an Oko, for example, but you have like a digital version of it. And it's actually worth money, right? So that's kind of the reason why some people don't want to get into Magic Online is because you have to pay money to get the cards. Um, but it works both ways. You can sell them. There is a secondary market, which is really nice. So whatever you buy, typically speaking, you can... Um, just sell at a little bit of a loss if you want to like switch from deck to deck to deck or whatever it is. Or again, if uh, cards spike a lot. Yeah, exactly. Just little like forces and ice fan quaddles. Right. Our so, friend we were talking about, Stefan, he made like uh, well over a thousand dollars buying grinding stations. It's like <laughs> Pascal Maynard like posted a tweet that was like, "Oh, this is the best deck ever," and then grinding stations spike from like. 10 cents to like $15 and then like he had like 60. it's probably gone down now because the, the deck isn't actually that good um but I, I just thought it was funny so if yeah you're, he bought if you're 60 smart of them I was jealous yeah um okay yeah let's talk about the MPGO economy first I guess since we've already alluded to it so mm -hmm. basically you know you enter events and you can win um basically boosters or treasure chests Treasure chests are basically worth about $2, and you can either open them for cards, or you can basically resell them to bots. And in yeah. terms of bots, I recommend Card Hoarder and Goat Bots. They usually kind of have the best prices. Um, card Hoarder definitely has the better rental service than Mana Traders, in my opinion. Um, hashtag not sponsored, but hashtag Onrog is sponsored. I didn't say anything, dude. I don't even have to say anything. Wait, Bob, you forgot the most important thing. Magic Online literally has its own currency. So they're just called like event tickets, right? And that's what you use to buy a product on Magic Online, like booster packs or cards or, you know, th things like that. You can sell uh, your treasure chest for, you know, event tickets. And then the cool thing about Magic Online is that you can literally sell your event tickets to like these big vendors that Bob is mentioning for actual cash, right? So mm -hmm. um, there's like a small ratio, like, you know, one event ticket on Magic Online is probably worth about 95 cents. So you're getting a really good rate on the dollar. Um, and eventually like the idea here is that you, you spend your money, you get tickets and then you can use that to like, it's, you know, just like yeah, play. The cor video corollary games. to that is don't buy tickets from the magic online store. Like Honorog has done in the past because <laughs> they charge you taxes. I've so done in the past too. The best thing to do is to like find friends with excess tickets and basically offer them 95 cents. And when you're selling, um, usually I try to hit the 95 cent rate. Like for a while, like Magic Online was crashing really low and like card hoarders stopped buying completely. And they were at like, I don't know, like 0.8 cents or 0.7 or 0.7 oh, uh, on the dollar. And I was like, that's just not worth it. So usually if you just wait long enough, you're able to get 0.95. So that's more or less what I think of what the ticket is worth. Yeah, so then the general idea is that like once you get these event tickets, all right, let's say we want to try to get you the cards for the deck, right, that you want to play. Like, you want to play Legacy? Okay, cool. Let's get the cards for um, something like, you know, four-color control. Oh, no, that costs 800 tickets, or probably not. I think, actually, you know what? There are a couple of recent spikes and like, okay, not going to get into it. About like 500 bucks, 500 tickets for um, a new... Uh, 
a new well, legacy I, deck, right? Yeah, I think we can talk about how expensive the various formats are on Magic Online because it's totally different from real life. So I'm pulling up the MTG Goldfish Legacy. Okay. Like I'm looking at a lot of the decks. Um, it's funny that Jeskai Underworld Breach is still on there, uh, but there are some decks that are like fairly cheap. Like Reanimator, for instance, is 233 ticks. Mm-hmm. Um, the most expensive deck I see at the top is is four color blue control at seven hundred and forty five ticks. So that's more or less the range is about. That's like the price to, of one underground C in paper, right? Yeah. Or maybe not. Maybe like two underground Cs. Where you get the whole I mean, deck maybe, and you get to play. Maybe we're still spoiled as Magic players because if like I told you any other game, like the cheapest you can do is two hundred dollars, you'd be like, okay, I'm not playing that. But yeah. like the, the the core concept is like these cards have value. You can like resell them. So mm-hmm. like. When you compare it to other games, like Magic is one of the games you can actually make money playing. Like I think if you have like a fifty-five percent win rate, like over a long horizon, like you'll start to come out ahead. And if yeah. you have like higher a higher win rate than that, you can like really make dough, like Daniel. Yeah, and this is the concept that's called quote going infinite, where you never actually have to like re up on tickets or anything like that because the prizes that you earn from winning, you can just use that as like entry fees for future events. It's kinda like at a local, right? Like you go to Friday F F and M, you you win twenty bucks in store credit and then you can use, you know, ten bucks of that for the next entry so you don't actually have to pay money for that. Um, Yeah, let's Yeah, go ahead. I was gonna say, well Bob already mentioned like various formats like standards, like really cheap on Magic Online because nobody plays it that much. I mean, people play it like I don't have trouble finding matches in the leagues. Mm-hmm. Some cards are expensive. For example, right now I'm looking on MTG Goldfish. The Bant mid-range deck is 600 tickets. Oh, but wow. that's just because it has Uro and Teferi. Um, like most, like, so, for example, in Standard, there's usually like rares. And those rares are like worse, like, you know, usually like 20 tickets if it's Chandra or something. But since so few people play Standard, most of the Standard rares are worth like very little. Uh, amounts of money so most decks are like under 100 like mono red which is like a tier one deck is like 60 tickets yeah like rakdos which is a tier one deck is like 80 tickets and most of the cost is just it's actually fable passage like i looked at this rakdos deck now it says it's like 100 like literally the entire cost is fable passage and croxa and everything and then nothing else in the deck worth more than like one cent it's actually literally the entire deck is just croxa and fable passage so you could just play like Evolving Wilds over Fable Passage and not play Croxa, and that's literally like five ticket deck, and mm-hmm. it's like basically tier one. And wow. looking at Pioneer that's... as well, like most of the decks are between like two hundred and four hundred tickets, so that's also yeah, inverters uh, a good are really cheaper. cheap. Yeah, I don't know. One thing, uh, like I mean, I don't know, Daniel. Like, look, I have I have the band mid range deck in paper and. You know, $600 is just a bit too expensive for me to buy into Magic Online because these decks, what if the value of the cards go down, right? Like, what if, uh, you know, the the deck suddenly becomes bad next week? And I don't even think my... it's a good standard deck. I, I think this it's is like kind of like a, a setup, but you got to let me finish my skit, dude. Come oh, on. sorry. <laughs> uh, no, I'm, I'm messing with you. Um, but yeah, like, what if the value of my cards go down? Like, I don't really want to commit to, like, owning all these cards. Well... Is there like a cheaper way that I could get these cards? Maybe not for like ever, but just for like a week or two at a time. Yeah, the rental services Bob Woo! mentioned. Rental <laughs> services, nice. Let's get into that. Um, Hashtag shill. Yeah. So if you like are, you, let's say you don't have like you know fat wallets, the fat stacks like Bob does, right? Um, you know, maybe you can like you would just want to like try out a deck and you don't want to really commit to buying the whole thing, right? Well, the cool thing is, is like online, because the cards are digital, it's very fast and easy to get it. And a lot of the vendors have recently set up these programs where you can just like rent cards for a certain amount of time at a much cheaper rate. Um, So for example, for like, 
I don't know, for like 20 tickets a week, that's like 20 bucks a week, you can rent, um, you know, like an entire standard deck or modern deck or legacy deck, depending on what it is. And you can like, you know, play in events and things like that with that instead of spending like the full like two or three or four hundred dollars on that, uh, which is kind of cool because then you can start. You know, if you if you're good, if you're really good, and once you've or once you've gotten like you know the the system down, you start winning a bunch. You make more than the actual cost of the rent, uh, you know, for the for the deck, right? And then you can slowly build your way up to buying the deck yourself, or you know, you could just like you know, build other decks and do other things and try other stuff like that. I know like a lot of these, um, the concept of going infinite applies here, where like you can use your winnings to pay for the next week of deck rentals and you know deck entries and things like that. Um, obviously Bob mentioned card hoarder has a really good rental program and then mana traders also has a rental program. Um, you know, be sure to check those out and find out what works for you. But you know, like th mm -hmm. that's a pretty cool way to actually quote, like afford, uh, these things, these, these decks, um, while playing yeah. online. So, so I mentioned them earlier and I, I do want to shout them out as well. They're probably the vendor that I use the most, which is goat bots. They generally have the, like the best margin between like their bid ask and they, they're, they're like pretty good with buying boosters. Looks like Tully agrees with me. <laughs> um, so GoatBots, they also have a pretty good website where they have like an EV calculator where they tell you like, if you're, this is your win rate, this is the expected value of each event, which I use. And they, they just have like really up-to-date pricing. So I also recommend GoatBots for checking that out. Nice. Um, I do see in the chat, uh, Goblin Lackey mentions play points. Uh, Daniel, do you want to explain that? Yeah, it's sort of like an alternate currency, I mean, uh, to enter events, play points basically, um, 10 play points would basically be worth $1, so 100 play points is like $10. And they're used to just enter events, you can't trade them. So once you have play points, uh, you can't use them you know, to, to trade them, like I just said. You can only use them to enter events, and you get them by events pay out in play points, or you can open your treasure chests and they give play points. Uh, I've never opened a chest, but it seems a lot of people like to do it. Wait, you've never opened a chest? Wow. I mean, I've opened a chest, but like I rare, rarely, like almost never. Okay. okay. Actually, I'm on the same page with you. Uh, the, the exception, like this is my rule, is like if I need the play points and if the vendor is buying the chests for a really low amount, then sometimes I open the chest to, just to get the play points. Yeah, keeping in mind that the reason that they're doing this is because you can actually sell the treasure chest for event tickets, which is basically selling the treasure chest for, like, cash, basically. Um, so, yeah, I mean, play points is just like a, a, a quote, Watsy's fun bucks currency for you know, getting into events, and it's also sometimes the payout for some of the events. Uh, but mostly, like, I think, and this is kind of like a nice transition, that you can use these play points to sign up for a variety of, of events on, on the Magic Online platform, right? So let's say that you want, like, you know, you're a very competitive player, and you just, you know, like, you had a 1K that was coming out next week, and you're like, well, dang, now I can't play anymore because, you know, uh, it's just the event got canceled. Well, fear not, Magic Online also has a lot of, you know, uh, premier events and also like you know low level events that you can play in so for example there are free events there's a quote like practice lobby where you get to play your deck for free against other people who are just like learning decks and things like that um then you have your baseline um like online event which is called a league which is a um a I guess it's kind of just like a you sign up and then it fires on demand kind of thing it's not on demand right how, how would you describe a league 
So basically you enter the queue and you wait for someone else to enter the queue. And then yeah, usually the magic online matchmaking, like they try to pair people with similar records, but if it takes too long, they'll just pair you with whoever else is in the queue. Okay. Yeah. So it's, you're, you're going to be playing against someone who's doing about as well as you are in your league. A league is a five round event and you, if you five, you get prizes based on how you finish. So you break even at three, two, uh, and then four, one and five Oh is you do a little bit better at five Oh you get like a nice little trophy. So some people like to trophy hunt get the elo get the cloud farm the clout um but if you know you want like a bigger event than just like the you know the q based league and then you can check out um what, what are called challenges which happen every weekend and you have different format challenges so if you want to play like modern you can do that on saturday if you want to play legacy you can do that on on sunday and these are are bigger events that you know basically like a 1k um every weekend on magic online so like this past weekend our legacy challenge had 138 players uh which was really high and then um you know this past weekend the modern event had what you said 250 players yeah, yeah 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 and i think this is mostly because players are just like at home at, during this time of day but like these are really big events with a lot of like really good players in it so if you like for example i said like this weekend i got to play against andrea mingucci which was just nuts right like you don't really get to do that at your locals uh I don't know. I, I personally like playing as really good players, um, mm-hmm. or just any of like the the known Magic Online grinders. Um, and the yeah. payout is like reasonable. I mean, like, so the payout it's actually closer to a three k, and I think oh, wow. the, the break even is at about a hundred players. So um, historically, the challenges for like standard, legacy, and popper and vintage are, are generally lower, but they might be higher now with a lot more people playing Magic Online. Yeah, but modern modern and pioneer are, are seeing closer to like you know two hundred people. Although pioneer is like a little bit lower because it starts pretty early in the morning. So mm-hmm. yeah, I actually played the pioneer challenge this weekend. It was like one hundred eighty three people. Did you win? I think. No, I I uh, I finished four. Nice. Who did you play any against? Any notable players? Um, I have to remember. It was like a lot of rounds. Ooh. I can look. Ooh, that, that's fine. I, I saw your tweet where you were like, I top four, and then Brad Nelson oh, I was like... Oh, Party. Ooh, okay. See, that's that's cool. That's cool. Um, but I saw your tweet, and then Brad Nelson was like, yo, nice job on the top four. How much for a sideboard guide or something like that, too, right? So you can literally use the results of your your challenges to farm, like, the most important thing ever. Right, anyways, um, but... Yeah, I mean, and there's also, like, the most prestigious Magic Online event, which is what? The Magic Online Championship Series? Is that right? The mocks? Yeah, let me run through that, because it's, it's pretty complicated. I also, I, I gotta run soon, um, since sure. it looks like Tully's getting antsy. Yeah. Uh, but basically, uh, a lot of events give you QPs that l- let you enter into PTQs and, like, showcase challenges. And those events, um, you can only enter with QPs. And basically what QPs are basically like when you go 4-1 or 5-0 or if you do well, if you top it a challenge, you get some QPs. Um, also, there are preliminaries in addition to the leagues, which are also scheduled daily events um, that basically you're trying to go 4-1 or 5-0. And so overall, the goal is to like accumulate these QPs and then you go through the Magic Online Championship Series. I guess they rebranded it to Showcase Challenges, but essentially you win Showcase Challenges that get you to Showcase Qualifiers that get you to the mocks, which is a tournament that's worth about, um, I think, 70k. So it's, that's some real money right there if you can yep. make it there. Nice. So there's a high, yeah, high level. Insane. 
Yeah, the range on the prizes is like there's there's like low level magic if you want something quick and easy, and then if you want something like long term, there's also that like the mocks that Bob is mentioning. Um, I mean, Magic Online has a lot of pros and cons. We just like go through these really quickly. I think the the best thing about Magic Online for me is that it was the number one learning tool that I had uh, for, to get better as a player, right? Um, because you get to play whenever you want. And it's just really easy to like share data and like share like like you want to practice a deck, fine. Like challenge a friend that has something you want to test, or you know Skype in with someone and you can like you know talk about a game as it's happening live, right? This is not something you can always do in a paper local tournament. Um, I guess also you can win money playing. That's that's pretty cool too. Uh, but Bob, what are some of the things that Magic Online could do a little bit better? Uh, I mean, this comes up a lot. I mean, overall, I still really like the program, as you mentioned, but sometimes there are bugs. Um, that being said, usually you're able to report them and they get... Uh, I want to let you guys Tully's take, take the rest of this since Tully's getting so antsy. Okay, yeah, that's fine. Um, and so, yeah, there are a couple glitches. I mean, it's obviously... Magic is a very complicated game, so, you know, programming is sometimes takes a, a little bit of this and that to get it right. And the Watsi team has fixed a lot of bugs before, and, you know, they're very receptive to hearing what needs to be fixed. Um, Bob has also written down glory and cost. Uh, I don't know what those are, but the interface is a little bit challenging sometimes to get used to. So, for example, like, um, you know, because it's a video game, like, and because it's, like, you just, like, code based some things that are going to be very hard to do like if you want to execute a combo you have to click every single step every single time um for example like bomberman like which is like oriox salvagers and lion's eye diamond you have to that's a lot of clicks like sack your led buy it back play your led sack your led buy it back play your led like you know that kind of stuff it's just like repetitive um but at the end of the day it is kind of like a video game so you get more proficient at it the more you play um, also, a lot of people scoop when you combo, but not everyone. Right, that's another thing too. Yeah, so I mean, it, 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 all in all, I think the program is just like I could not live without it. Um, the biggest thing is like convenience, right? Like a lot of people won't be able to go out because of you know the, the virus, and Magic Online is just like a nice, safe way to play Magic um, at a lot of levels. Um, so. I think Bob, Bob, Daniel, and I are more than happy to answer any specific questions that you might have regarding the platform and things like that. Um, but I definitely do suggest getting into it if you are getting that sort of like itch to play Magic. Um, I'm sure there might be ways to like play Magic outside of Magic Online, uh, you know. But that would have to be like more of like a player-driven, like community-driven kind of thing. Whereas Magic Online is just like it's there right now. People are playing. You can hop right in in like maybe like less than like half an hour if you have literally nothing. So. Um, definitely worth it. Check it out. Uh, do we have anything else that we want to talk about? Because we've, we've been up for an hour and a half. I think it's a pretty good place to, to call it. Yeah? Okay. I'm good. Cool. All right, guys. Well, uh, reach out to us at Elo Punters on Twitter if you have any questions. Something about giving us like a five stars review on iTunes. You can give us a one star review everywhere else. It doesn't really matter. iTunes is very picky for some reason. And then don't forget to follow Liz at uh, Ellie of the Veil and stay tuned for future elo punters content beep 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 okay cool bye